All right, let's see here. <clears throat> oh, let's do uh, number 255, Blessed Insurance, I think we'll start with. All right, Jonathan, we good? All right, we're, we're already streaming, I guess. So uh, good to see everybody here today, Keith Heights Baptist Church. And I um, want to make a couple of real quick announcements, and um, then we will get into, uh, we'll sing a, a, so- a couple songs here this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. A couple things. First of all, um, we started this last Thursday, but around 8.30 uh, each morning, we uh, Monday through Saturday, uh, we're doing a small time of um, uh, uh, time in the Psalms and a prayer time together uh, on Facebook. And so if you'd like to join us for that, uh, just tune in somewhere around probably 8. Start, we're looking for it about 8.25. Sometimes we're a few minutes early uh, getting it up. And uh, we'll just spend, it's about, uh, we've, so far we've been between 15 and 20, 25 minutes, I think, uh, was one of the longer ones. Uh, but just a brief uh, time and thought uh, of the day, something to, to kind of get us going um, on the day. Also, uh, a number of our church folks, and uh, please, I don't, I don't talk about giving a whole lot uh, here in our church, but a number of our church folks have asked, and that's the reason we're, we're mentioning this. Um, if you are uh, wanting to get your tithes in and, and give your offerings, uh, you can do it one of two ways. You can either go on our church website and give electronically. There's a button there to give electronically. It's secure, uh, as secure as it can be anyway. Um, and uh, then, or you can come by and drop it off here at the church. My son and I are here pretty much throughout the whole week. Um, you might want to call before you come, make sure I am here, but usually we're here <coughs> during the quarantine. Uh, and uh, Or if you want to come by during the time of service on Sundays, uh, you can certainly come by and we'll even come out to the front door there and pick it up for you if you don't want to come in and be uh, contacted. But I know a number of you have been asking about that. And uh, those are two ways that you can do that um, and want to uh, just have you continue to pray. We're not, uh, God has certainly met our needs in the church and we're thankful for that. Um, but uh, we're not, we're not, uh, we don't want to be destitute either. So keep in prayer and keep in mind of the things, uh, especially while we're out of the, the church facility here, uh, the bills that we do have uh, to pay each month. And so keep that in prayer and keep that in mind as you consider your giving and and pray about what God would have you to do in that area. All right. Uh, Let's turn in our songbooks. If you've got one at home, that's great. Number 255. Uh, If not, you can look it up on Google for the words, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Jonathan, turn the piano microphones on if you don't mind so they can hear it on the streaming. Oh, we already got it on. All right. He's good to go. So we're ready, Miss Carmen. Thank you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. 
Angels descending bring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long Perfect submission, all is at rest I in my Savior am happy and blessed Watching and waiting, looking above Filled with His goodness This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long. All right. If you will, keep in mind some prayer requests this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer. Continue to pray for Miss June Bolin. And uh, she's still uh, having some uh, health problems with regards to her treatment. So pray for her and also for some family issues there. Continue to pray for Linda Craig. And we got a good report from her this morning uh, that uh, they tested her to see if she had corona. And uh, she came back negative, and she's very excited about that and feeling better. They're going to actually get out of the house a little bit today. And so thank the Lord for that. Continue to pray for Brother Bob Schwabert, uh, who is under hospice care. And so pray for him and the family. Uh, Also for Sarah uh, Harris and also for Laverne Payne, (coughs) who are recovering from some physical ailments. And then pray for my sister Leanne Britton, who uh, we're hoping to find out some answers this week on some of the tests that she had. And pray that God will bless there. And uh, then also, Brother Dan Roberts had mentioned this morning in Sunday school that we'd be in prayer uh, for the building um, over at Beacon Baptist to sell. And uh, pray that God would bring along the right person for that to uh, purchase that and get them out from under that building and that burden over there. And so make that a matter of prayer also, if you would. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing on the service. Father, we are grateful and thankful for the privilege to meet together today. And pray that you will bless and use it, that we will honor and glorify you. And, Lord, we are coming and meeting today by way of live stream, many of us. And, uh, Lord, we've got a few here, but we sure miss the opportunities and the times that we have to be together as a family and as a church unit, Lord, that you have fitly framed together. And, Lord, when one, one of us hurts, we all hurt. And so many times when... We're not able to be together. There's a sorrow there, and I pray that you would help to give grace and comfort during this time and that you would allow us to meet back together soon and enjoy the fellowship and the rejoicing of the, um, the time together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We do pray that you'll bless the service this morning and bless it and use it for your honor and glory, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and our lives. <coughs> give us your wisdom, and I pray that you'd help us to rightly understand and divide your word. And then also that you would bless these requests that we've mentioned this morning, many that are in need of your, uh, your healing hand, and pray that you would touch their bodies and uh, give them strength. And then, Father, for those that need grace and comfort during this time, we think of Bob Schwabert and the family, and I pray that you would give grace there and comfort. And uh, for the uh, folks over at Beacon, that they would get the church sold, and I pray that you would uh, help them to have the right buyer come along and that you would take care of that issue. And then, Father, that you would rejoice in all that we say and do here today, and that we would be well-pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Number 256. <coughs> 256, It is well with my soul. And this is a great song to sing in times of, uh, that we're facing, in times of trial. It uh, doesn't matter what uh, the world has going on in it. Uh, as a Christian, we can sing it as well with my soul. Amen. And look forward to that. We'll sing all four verses this morning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with <coughs> Think about this verse on the third one. I love this verse. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul, it is well with my soul. saved this morning, aren't you? And we go through uh, trying times like this, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's good to know that 
if, uh, if the worst that this world thinks can happen to us and we uh, pass away from this life, my dad used to say years ago, he said, one day you're going to see my body laying in a casket in front of the pulpit there. And he said, people are going to come and say, well, he's, he's passed on, he's died. And he said, you don't believe a word of it. He said, I'll be more alive that day than I have ever been. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful as a Christian to know that when we're absent from this body, we are present with the Lord. And it helps us in times like what we're going through to have great peace, not to be anxious for anything. And uh, that we can certainly take precautions. We don't want to tempt God. We don't want to go out of our way to try to put ourselves in harm's way. But we certainly want to have faith in God and believe that He is, he is going to deliver us one way or the other. Uh, I'm reminded, I mentioned, I think, in one of the devotions this week that the three Hebrew boys, when they went to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, or stood before uh, Nebuchadnezzar, <coughs> and uh, he was so angry at them. And uh, they said, O king, we will not bow. And they said this, Our God will deliver us. And, boy, you read that phrase, and you want to say, Boy, what great faith these young men had. And then they go on to say, But if not... <laughs> And uh, their mindset was, he's going to deliver us one way or the other. Either he's going to deliver us from your hand, O king, uh, by way of a physical delivery, or he's going to deliver us from your hand by way of a spiritual delivery. And can I tell you this, as God's people, we can always trust the fact that God is in control. We know the end of the story, and uh, we know where we're going to be when we go to uh, leave this life. And I'll tell you, uh, my son, every once in a while, he'll be... Uh, talking, and I, I thought the same thing when I was younger. There were things that I liked to do in this life. I enjoy. And I used to be like, boy, I wonder if we're going to get to do that in heaven. I wonder if we're going to get to, you know, fly airplanes in heaven. Well, we won't have to. <laughs> but, uh, or whatever the case is. But, you know, I, I've learned this, that God, when He created us, He created our wanters. <laughs> and the things that we love doing in this life, God gave those to us. That those feelings, that, that thing that we enjoy uh, to do. And if He gave us those things and we enjoy them so much in this life, can you imagine when we get to heaven and He creates in us a, a glorified body and puts a new wanter inside of us? And this time it's going to be a glorified wanter. Man, can you imagine the enjoyment that we are going to have in heaven for all of eternity? And uh, I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to the day I get to meet Him face to face. Can't wait to see my Savior. I wonder what He looks like often. And while we may know a lot about Him, and we can learn certainly a lot from His Word and get to know Him personally, but until we see Him face to face, I think it's one of those things I'm just looking forward to. Fanny Crosby, who wrote a lot of our songs, in fact, she wrote the song we sang this morning, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. In that second verse, she talks about perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy and whispers of love. And, boy, I'll tell you, I'm excited about getting there, aren't you? And uh, today's a great day. We thank the Lord for it. Boy, a beautiful day outside. And uh, I think uh, the day that we spend giving to the Lord and putting our hearts and thoughts toward Him, and what, a, what more uh, <coughs> blessed of a day can we have than a day like today. And we thank the Lord for it. Well, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Hebrews chapter number 10. And I want to encourage you, if you've not been turning or tuning in or coming uh, to church for the Sunday school hour, 
Uh, we have really enjoyed, I've enjoyed, and I, I hope, I think others have, some others have mentioned they have, uh, I have enjoyed going through the book of, uh, of Genesis. And uh, we've had a couple people uh, ask if we could just continue on through the Bible, just verse by verse like that. And uh, very well, we may do that. We may just continue on uh, and uh, just uh, take one book after another. But I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, teaching, and, and some of uh, some of the thoughts were uh, some that I had taught before when I did Genesis, and some have been others uh, that I have read, and some things that people have uh, mentioned about it, and others have been things that just in meditating on it, uh, God brings to mind or brings to heart, and put it all together, and boy, I have really just enjoyed uh, going through that book again. And we just finished up, uh, we've got just a, a, another... Uh, probably a couple chapters, two or three chapters yet to go on the life of Jacob. And, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me, but uh, certainly have had a great time going through that and had a great time this morning. So if you don't come normally to Sunday school uh, or don't tune in for it, then I would encourage you to try to. And we've had a great time with it. Hebrews chapter number 10. And um, <clears throat> I want to begin reading... Um, Let's start in verse number 16. I was going to start in verse 18. Let's start in verse 16 and get a running start into it. Paul says this, this and, and this is what the Lord is, is saying here. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. <coughs> and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Father, we pray that you would bless uh, in the message this morning and speak to our hearts. Encourage us in the way, and Lord, may we uh, end this service with a heart that loves you more than it did when we came in, and being drawn closer to you. Lord, may daily, may daily, our walk with you be such as it would be pleasing to you, that we would be growing in the grace and the knowledge of our precious Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us and strengthen us through the power and might and leading of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that we would have a hunger and a thirst for these things. Bless the time that we spend here together this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we get to verse number 19, it's interesting. Uh, I love thinking on this thought about the, the process that the Lord Jesus Christ went through. And boy, I, I wish I had time. I wish we had a two- or three-hour service this morning that we could go through the process of atonement. And, boy, how, how special it is and how God had uh, given Moses 
the exact dimensions and, and descriptions of how he wanted the tabernacle and later on the temple to be built and how that they were fashioned after the shadow of the things that were in heaven. The mercy seat that was here on this earth was not the mercy seat that was in heaven, but was a symbol of it. The, the holiest of the holies, the, the holy place that was in the tabernacle that was separated by the veil that only the high priest could go into once a year. <laughs> For the atonement of sin. In Hebrews chapters 8 and 9, you'll find in even chapter number 7, I believe, is more uh, probably where you'll find it. We find that the Lord Jesus Christ was given the position of our high priest, not by way of birth or lineage, but because God the Father exalted him to that position through his obedience to the cross. And being exalted as our high priest, he took his own blood. And I often think of this as uh, a lot of people don't fully understand the, the concept of this, but when the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead that early in the morning when he met Mary in the garden and she did not know who he was, and then he calls her name and she knows who he is, and I don't know if she was trying to run to him, to hug him, but for whatever reason, he said, don't touch me. Because when the high priest had purified himself through the ritual of cleansing, and he took the blood of the sacrifice for atonement, he could not be touched because he would be defiled and would have to go through the process again of cleansing. But yet we find just a few hours later, the Lord Jesus appears to his disciples. And he tells them, touch me and handle me. And sometime between the time that he met with Mary in the garden and the time that he met with his disciples, our precious Lord took his own blood, ascended up into heaven, and sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. Once and for all, the Bible says, no more do we need the blood of calves and goats. We have a, 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 a sacrifice that is now the perfect sacrifice. We have a high priest that is the perfect high priest. And he has made the atonement for our sins final and complete. And the Bible says this in verse number 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil of that temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. It's interesting. Very thick, very very large veil. And you know the high priest and the priests that were serving in the temple that day, for the very first time in the history, since that tabernacle and that temple had been built, could peer in through the veil and look at the mercy seat. My friends, we get the privilege because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did on Calvary to come boldly into the throne room of Almighty God. We get to come into what the Bible refers to here as the holiest of places. 
hold your place here for a moment. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 6. <clears throat> and oh, I wish we could get a renewed view of God, don't you? I wish we could get a glimpse of what is humanly possible to know and understand about Him. In Isaiah chapter number 6, Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Notice it says, High and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face. And with twain He covered His feet. And with twain He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. I just want to stop and say this. That while Isaiah has done his best to describe from a prophet's point of view the scene that he saw before him, he could never in these human words give the full description of what he had seen as he watched the throne of God. We live in a day where even Christian people have minimized God to something so small and insignificant. We have anxiety, we worry, we, we, are, we are scared many times and distraught because our perception of God is not what it should be. We doubt our salvation. We don't rejoice in it. We don't realize what a great miracle and what an amazing thing it is to be saved this morning because we've allowed our view of what, who God is to, to be, to be uh, diminished in so many ways. We refer to Him as the man upstairs. Or we refer to Him as some, some, some uh, human-type form of, of a God that we perceive in our hearts or in our minds. And while I am thankful that God sent His Son in human form to redeem man, I'm thankful that He is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm thankful that He is the God of all gods. I'm thankful that He is the one and only true God. So much so that when Isaiah sees Him in verse number 5, the Bible says, Then said I, Woe is me. When we see God, when we come into His presence, we must, while we have the ability to come boldly and to come with freedom to our Savior and to sit in the throne room of God and talk with Him and commune with Him, I don't think we should ever get to the place in our lives where we come with an arrogance about us, but with an awe and a reverence and a respect for Him that He so is worthy of. He says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Folks, if we think about who God is, 
and we see the undone condition that we are in. I mean, here's a prophet of God. Here's a man that feared God, a man who loved God. And when he comes into the presence of God's throne room, all he can do is say, woe is me. I look at my life. I, I would not even begin to compare my life to the life of Isaiah. I wonder if when I come to God's throne room, I have the same reverence and awe that Isaiah did when he saw the Lord. High and lifted up. There needs to be a revival among God's people. There needs to be a revival in our world today of another view of who God is. That we begin to read Scripture and understand that He's just not some Aladdin's lamp genie that is there for our convenience to put away on a shelf when we're not needing Him and then to only come to Him as we have problems. I'm thankful so much that our president several Sundays ago asked for a day of national prayer. But can I tell you this, folks? Every Sunday ought to be a day of national prayer. And every Monday ought to be a day of national prayer. And every Tuesday ought to be. And every day of the week needs to be a day of national prayer. I don't think it ought to take the times that we are in the lowest of our lives that we turn to God. But it ought to be the thing that we come to daily seeking for His wisdom and guidance in our lives. Back to Hebrews chapter number 10 now. Notice he says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Can I tell you this? You and I have no merit. We have no worth. We have nothing to give to God that is allowing us to go into the holiest of holies. The only thing that allows us this privilege is that the Lord Jesus Christ shed His blood in our place. In verse number 20, he goes on by the new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, he's going to give us four things. Knowing that we have been redeemed, we have been bought with the price, we have great freedom, we have great liberty, we have the ability to come to the very throne of God. Because we have access to those things, there are four things that we are required of. Number one, or required of us. Number one is found in verse number 22. He says, Let us draw near with a true heart. There are a lot of people who try to draw near to God by affecting the outward shell of their life. But to have a true heart, to have a heart that the Bible says loves the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our minds. To draw near with a true heart, notice he says this in full assurance of faith. The way that we draw near to the Lord with a true heart, with full assurance of our faith, is by having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. It's interesting to me that by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we are made alive. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. And when we get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. The Holy Spirit of God begins to lead and to direct. And by the way, uh, if we lose our conscience, it's because we've lost the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we are having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience that we used to have. 
and our bodies are washed with pure water. There's to be a, a distinction in our lives. And I, I find something unique in this verse that when our heart is what it ought to be, our lives... ...away at the outer shell of a lifetime of a person and trying to get them to outwardly be everything they should be and to, to be pleasing... Bible speak about the inner man? How often does it speak about the heart being in tune with God? How, how often does it talk about God knoweth the ways? I tell you this, that when we're drawing near to God, it's not just a superficial outward thing that takes place, but it is a drawing to God with a true heart. When the true heart is what it should be, can I tell you this? that our hearts will be sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies will be washed with pure water. It's amazing the transforming work that God does in a Christian's life. If we get uh, make a, a, say a prayer and, and, and ask the Lord to save us and our hearts are not in tune with Him, our hearts are not uh, understanding the, the concept, we're just going through a motion of praying a prayer, and nothing is changed outwardly, then something's wrong with our salvation. Because the Bible teaches me that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I don't believe that you go to a place of sinless perfection after salvation. But we certainly have something inside of us that didn't used to be there. That now convicts us when we do wrong. It now causes us to have a hunger and a thirst and a desire for God. To come into His throne room. To come into the holiest and to commune with God. That desire, I'll tell you, did not used to be there before I got saved. I grew up in a pastor's home, 13 years of age. I'm struggling with my salvation. I know I'm not saved. And I'd sit in those pews and I'd listen to my dad and he'd get up and he'd preach. And I'm going to tell you, the only thing I thought about when we went to church was how long is he going to be tonight? That was it. When I got saved, it was amazing how the things my dad started saying from the pulpit were such a blessing to my heart. Sometimes they were such a conviction to my heart. I'd never experienced anything like that before. Why? Because something was made alive inside of me that didn't used to live there. And I'll tell you this, my friend, when we get saved, the Bible teaches that there's going to be something different. I'm not saying it's going to be the same for one person as it is for another, but there will always be a change. There will always be a transformation. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Secondly, Verse number 23, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Boy, this is the battle of the Christian life, isn't it? How oftentimes we find uh, we are cold and then we're hot and then we're cold and then we're hot. We have mountaintops and we have valleys. We have mountaintops and valleys. We're close to the Lord and then we feel like we're not anywhere near Him. And then we're close to Him and then we feel like we're not anywhere near Him. You know, because of the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood on Calvary, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life 
and that they might have it more abundantly. His desire is for us to live on the mountaintops. I'm not saying that He won't bring trials into our lives, but on the spiritual side of things, we ought to always dwell on the mountaintop. Even through the valley, there is great joy, isn't there? In fact, if you take and study in Scripture the times that God talks about joy, it's always intended to help through the valley. Every time you'll find that joy is related to the valley. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You can go through Scripture and try it, and you'll find that every time God speaks of joy, it's to bring the Christian through the valley. Why? Because even though we're in the valley, spiritually we're on the mountaintop. We're living on that day of sunshine that we still remember our God being faithful to us and carrying us through. And it says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And I love this. For He is faithful that promised. You say, Brother Greg, how in the world am I going to be steadfast when we go through coronavirus? How in the world are we going to be steadfast when I go through financial situations? How in the world am I going to be steadfast when my family is falling apart? How in the world am I going to be steadfast? And you can put what your problem and trial is in the blank. And here's the secret to it. It's pretty simple. Because He is faithful. He is faithful. That promised. What promise did He give? He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, didn't He? The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Thou art with me, didn't he? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. These are great promises, aren't they? In fact, the Bible calls them this, exceeding great and precious promises. You say, Brother Greg, how can I make it through the times when my faith is tested and I'm tempted to, to, uh, to have uh, a weakness in my life? I'm tempted to, to backslide. I'm tempted to get away from the Lord. Hold to the fact that He's faithful. That He'll sustain you. That He'll bring you through. The Bible says, Faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. He'll perform that in our hearts and in our lives under the day of redemption, the Bible says. In verse number 24, we're to, verse number 23, we're to hold fast uh, the profession of our faith without wavering. Oh, we are in a world that is starving and thirsting for Christians that will not waver. We're living in a day where, I'll be honest with you, it seems like we are so blown about with every wind of doctrine. we got we got pastors and churches and, and institutions that we looked up to with great respect that were based on Christian principles that are wavering so often in the day we live. And there needs to be a revival in the United States of America and around this world of Christians who will stand up and say, by the grace of God, because He is faithful. I will not waver. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ gave His blood that we can come right into the holiest. Therefore, we're to lay apart, or we're to draw near with a true heart, we're to uh, hold fast the profession of our faith. And number three, verse number 24, the Bible says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Can I tell you this? I, I, there's a, a rule 
in understanding Scripture, uh, they have a big fancy word called hermeneutics for it. And uh, one of the one of the rules that you follow in Scripture, because it was the rule of the languages that were used when these verses were originally penned in their in their structure of their language, they had what was called the law of first mention. And the idea being that whenever there's a list of things, they put the most important at the very top of the list. That was just the way they did it. That's the way they wrote. We don't always do that in English anymore. But in, in knowing that about the languages, we can understand that there's a priority list given here. And as we look at this, and the first one that we're looking at is that our hearts be right. And by the way, can I tell you this? The highest priority of a Christian is not soul winning. That's the second. The highest priority is that our hearts walk with God. That we walk with God in such a way that He is able to use us and His Holy Spirit is able to guide us. Then secondly, we're to hold fast. Nothing wavering. Our hearts need to be in tune. We need to be steadfast, not wavering. And then, and only then, can we be in a place in our lives, in verse 24, to do the third thing, which is to let us consider one another, notice this, to provoke <laughs> unto what? Love and good works. You know what you and I are supposed to be doing as God's people? We're supposed to be, I hate to use the word encourage because it's too weak of a word. Let's use the Bible word here. We're to provoke. Um. Occasionally, Jonathan, I'm going to, forgive me, but I'm going to use you for an illustration. Occasionally, not often, just every day, I go to wake Jonathan up, and there are times, not often, but every day, that he doesn't want to get up. And so we start gently. I turn the knob, knock on the door, turn the knob. Hey, bud, it's time to get up. And I hear a mumble, and he pulls the cover over his head and rolls over. I'll say, okay, hey, bud, we got a lot to do today. So then I start impressing upon him the urgency that, hey, we got to get moving. we got stuff to do today. And he rolls the other way and pulls the other blanket over. And then I come in, and I'll be like, okay, don't make me go get the cold water. And he'll mumble something and kind of act like he's going to get up. And then I'll say, okay, I'm going to get the cold water. I go get the cold water. And I know some of you are sitting here thinking, well, you should have just took the belt the first time. Probably so. But I'm going to provoke him, okay? So, so then I, I come up in there to him, and I try to do the water on him. And he gets under the covers, trying to hide from the cold water. And then, I, then I take the tactic that I know is going to work. Because he is so ticklish, all you've got to do is act like you're going to tickle him, and he's going to, he's going to go crazy. So I just jab him in the side just a little bit with that one finger right there. And finally he's like, fine, Dad, I'll do it. Can I tell you this? What I did there was I provoked him. Not in a sense of aggravating, but in a sense of I was not going to give up on them. Or I was not going to give up on him until he did what I knew he needed to do. Can I tell you that the word provoke means that I'm going to try to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ to love and to good works. And if they don't take it the first time, I'm not going to say, well, I tried. I'm going to come again, and I'm going to say, let's do a little bit more. Let's, let's try to encourage them a little better. And I hope people do that with me. We need to pro provoke. Notice he says this in verse number 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. It's more than just encouraging. It's an idea and a mindset that I am not going to give up. I'm going to continue to push and push and push and prod and encourage. 
I found this, that when I can get others around me to love God more, it, they pull me along with them. And I have to love God more myself. It's amazing to see how God has put this all together. And then lastly, notice he says in verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The fourth thing we're supposed to do is we're supposed to meet together. It's kind of hard to provoke one another to love and to good works if we don't meet together. Man, we picked a great week to preach on this one, didn't we? <laughs> we're live streaming and we're not joined together. But you know, we're joined together in our, in our hearts and our minds right now. It's not the same as being here at our church. Certainly not. Can I tell you this, that all four of these things are given because of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has made it possible for us. And since He's made it possible, notice it says here in verse number 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, that's what we've been given by Jesus Christ, by a new and a living way, and having a high priest over the house of God, notice He said in verse number 19, uh, Therefore, let us, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. Because of the fact that we have access to the holiest, because of the fact that we have a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart, with a full assurance of our faith. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love or to good work and to good works. And fourthly, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what that means? That means that the normal of the Christian life is that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If if that starts faltering, then I am to exhort the brethren. I'm supposed to encourage them. I'm supposed to say, listen, we need to get back to get to this thing. We need to, to, to we're falling away. We're, we're doing what it says in verse number 23. We're, we're not, we're not uh, uh, holding fast. We're letting some things waver. And so we're going to exhort. And notice this. He says this at the end of verse number 25. He said, Brother Greg, I'm so tired of hearing preachers preach that I ought to be gathered together. Can I tell you this? It says this, so much the more as you see the day approaching. You'd have to be absolutely blind spiritually to not see that we're living in the last days. You can open your Bibles and you can open the newspaper and lay them side by side and almost watch verbatim what's going on. If it doesn't happen this time around through this trial, rest assured it's not very far away. Things are being prepared. Things are being laid out. God is putting, uh, setting the path straight for His coming. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Boy, that means I ought to get up and every time I get an opportunity, I ought to be encouraging people, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. The day's getting close. Don't miss, don't miss it. Don't miss the forsaking of yourselves together. So much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm thankful, aren't you, that we have a God in heaven as great and as mighty and as full of majesty and power and sovereignty as He is, has sent His own Son to pay a price for our sin. And having done so, He elevates His Son to the place of high priest. And then He says, because of this, I want you to make sure that you 
come to God in a true heart. I want to make sure that you are steadfast. I want to make sure that you're provoking one another to love and to good works. And let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's just what's expected because we're redeemed. Because God has given us redemption through His blood. And I hope that will be in the help and encouragement to you today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. Lord, what a joy it is to come to Your presence. Lord, may we never get over it. I pray that You'd help us to have a renewed awe and reverence and respect to the time that we come to You in prayer, to the time that we spend with You daily. That, Lord, we do not come with arrogance, but we come with hearts full of gratitude and thanksgiving and a humble spirit understanding who You are and recognizing how undone we are. And yet, Lord, we pray that You would help us to hold to these things that You have instructed us to do because of our salvation. That we would draw nigh with a true heart. That our walk with You would become the paramount thing in our life. That we would remain steadfast without wavering. That we would provoke one another to love and to good works. And that we would not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Bless the time that we have spent together preaching Your Word today. I pray that You would use it to strengthen our faith, to encourage us in these days that we live in. And then, Father, that You would help us to draw nigh to You. That we will be more of what we ought to be today than we were yesterday. And that tomorrow we will draw even closer. That there will be a continued and a steadfast pursuit of growing in Your grace and in Your knowledge. Dismiss us now with your blessings. Thank you for so many that have tuned in this morning. And those that will listen to the messages, I pray that you will bless and encourage their hearts through the preaching. In Jesus' name we pray.